love that beginning. I don't know about you folks. But uh, we started this new series last week called Strange Things. And we're talking about some things that some people consider strange, maybe some of you. And uh, if you missed last week, you can catch up online. Today's topic is Says Who? Now, even as children, we begin with this concept, this mindset that rebellion equals freedom. We all grew up with lots of rules, right? Our parents had rules, schools had rules. If you went to church, church had rules. Everybody's got these rules, and they seem restrictive. And so, when we get the opportunity and we're brave enough, we go outside those rules. We think it's freedom. I remember when Josh and Micah were little, we had these uh, big wheel things, and our driveway was gravel. And, of course, they had a rule they couldn't drive their big wheels in the street. Well, guess what? I believe it was Micah anyway. <laughs> Most of you know my son Micah. You understand. Uh, he was the one that would push the boundaries, push the rules, and he had the freedom to ride it out in the middle of the street until he got caught, of course. And then his freedom was taken away. But we grow up with that, that, that idea, that concept, that mindset. And then as teenagers, especially, right? Uh, all, everybody's parents are dumb when you're a teenager, and so the rules are dumb, and every chance you get, you're going to break the rules to, because you've got the freedom to do that, right? Now, as adults, our mentality changes a little bit because we realize that our prisons are full of people that thought rebellion equal freedom, right? And they found out otherwise that, you know, there's only a certain field of freedom before you impinge, impinge, that's the right word, on other people's freedom, and then you may wind up in prison. So, what is our attitude toward rules? Well, if I disagree with the rules, I'm free to at least disregard them, if not disregard them, to disobey them. Simplest one I can think of is speed limits. There are rules, right? Speed limits signs. And if I'm driving down this nice, straight, clear road, and the speed limit's 45 miles an hour, and there's no other cars around, there's a nice big shoulder. I'm thinking, this is a stupid rule. I can drive faster than 45. I'm a good driver, safe driver. Nobody's going to be hurt. So I might drive faster than 45 miles an hour. Um, it's tax season. You might be filling out your taxes and think, well, this should be a, ta a tax deduction, whatever you might think it is, even though, according to the rules, it's not quite a deduction, and you might take it anyway. Because you disagree with the rules, so I'm going to disobey the rules. Or maybe you're in a workplace and you get a 15-minute break in the morning and the afternoon and you think, 15 minutes isn't long enough. I need 20 minutes or I need 25 minutes. And so you push the limits and you disagree with the rule and you ignore them. Now, we don't ignore all the rules, do we? We choose to decide one rule at a time. I'm driving down the road and it's a curvy road and the speed limit is such and such. And I think, well, that's probably smart if I drive that speed limit. When I clear straight away, when nobody's around, I decide I drive faster than the speed limit. Uh, so we decide one rule at a time. Now, in this series, we're talking about an invisible world affecting our visible world. We talked about germs last week. Can't see them. Uh, COVID, of course. Uh, I got some good suggestions in our small group, like magnetism. Can't see magnetism and gravity. Gravity was one. Our thoughts, you can't see your thoughts. They affect our, our physical world. So there's lots of things. We all believe in lots of things that are invisible to our eyes but affect our visible world. Now, most people listening to me believe there's a God. This is a church service. So if you believe there's a God, you're halfway there, right? 
can't see God. Anybody seen God? I don't think any of us have seen Him. So, we believe there's an invisible God that has a big impact on our world. But it's amazing how many people believe in their God, but they don't believe in the evil counterpart, devil or Satan. So, we sang about being in a battle. We're in a battle against the evil world. We talked about that last week. Powers we can't see. And all we have to do is have a rear-view mirror on our lives and realize, yeah, we, we say things like, how could I have been so confused in my thinking? How could I have been so deceived? How could I have been so mixed up? I thought that was a good idea, or I thought that was a bad idea, or, or I thought that was a good person to be in a relationship. Everybody told me what they, they weren't a quality person, but I didn't listen to them. How could I have been so confused? Well, if you believe in an invisible world that affects this visible world, there was someone trying to deceive you. Another way of saying, why did things get so twisted in my hand, excuse me, head, heart, and emotions? Sometimes my emotions get all mixed, mixed up. Well, the Bible has an answer. And we talked about it last week. There is an invisible world, good invisible world, and an evil visible world that is affecting our lives, our relationship, our emotions, etc. So we talked about last week that Jesus believed in this entity. He called him the devil. And uh, he talked about him repeatedly. He was tempted by the devil. So Jesus believed that there is a real devil. And we talked about, Paul wrote about, you know, it's just not a devil. There's demons and, and evil forces that, that we can't see that's affecting this world. And we talked about some of the horrific things in history and how else can you explain them unless there is a, a evil forces. Now, Jesus said this about the devil. He said, the devil's goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. Steal, kill, and destroy. When you and I give in to temptation... Where does temptation come from? Believe from the devil, evil forces. Um, when we give into temptation, we don't think in the terms of stealing, killing, destroying something. But you can be guaranteed that that's what's going to happen if we follow the evil one instead of, the, instead of God. Um, steal our joy, kill relationships, even destroy lives sometimes. So the remainder of the series, we're going to talk about specific kind of big areas, big issues where we are deceived by this evil one. And uh, today's topic is authority, how our minds get twisted. We get confused when we, how we should relate to authority. Now, we're all in favor of authority sometimes, all right? Let me give you three cases where you and I are in favor of authority. When I'm in authority, when I'm the boss, we all love that verse, parent, uh, children obey your parents, right? Because I'm the authority, I'm the parent. Didn't care for it as much when I was, I was under my parents' authority, but now that I'm a parent, I like it when I'm in authority. If you're a boss in some work situation, you, would, you like the fact that you get to give the rules, you distribute the rules. Secondly, when it serves my best interests. Now, Tax season. I was thinking about tax season. Anyway, um, most of you probably don't know this. Pastors get a housing allowance. What that means is part of my salary that you all pay me, I can designate as housing allowance. All the costs for my mortgage, my utilities, etc. That money, and it's thousands of dollars as you can imagine, I don't have to pay taxes on. 
That's a huge benefit to me. Now, I believe military gives it also. Some people object to it because of separation of church and state. But right now, I'm still getting a housing allowance. So I like that rule. It serves my best interest. A bunch of money I don't have to pay taxes on. And thirdly, when as long as I agree and it makes sense. Now, if somebody breaks into your house, you love the fact you can call the police, right? And they show up. Or even when you have a car accident, you wait till the police to show up. You love the fact. Now, when you're speeding down the highway and you pass a police car, not so much, right? So as long as I agree with it and it makes sense to me. Now, our initial, our first response to authority is to evaluate the what. The what. What am I asked to do or what am I asked not to do? I may agree or disagree, but I start with what exactly is the rule? What exactly is the authority asking of me? Is it drive 45 miles an hour and this, pay this taxes on this amount of money? Whatever it might be. I have first tendency is to evaluate the what. And we're going to see that's the wrong approach. Now, most of the time, most of us will obey the rules if I think I'm going to get caught. If I think I'm going to get caught and get in trouble for getting caught. Then we adhere to the rules, right? If I'm driving down the interstate and I'm in a, in a, a state trooper is right beside me, do I speed? Do I ever go over the speed limit? I am dead looking at that speedometer and it's not going above whatever the speed limit is, right? Not around, I may not obey the speed limit. So if I think I'm going to get caught when we're younger, you know, teenagers, you know, stay out past your curfew. If, now see, our, my, my sister's here. My mom stayed up till we got home. So there was no way breaking curfew or not getting caught. But um, some of your mom, um, we did. We, thought our, we went to sleep. <laughs> we just trusted our kids to keep the, might have been dumb, but we trusted our kids to keep the curfews. Uh, so if you don't think you'll get in trouble, you usually adhere to the rules. Reason being, you and I think most of the time that I'm my ultimate authority. I'm the person who gets to decide, right? In reality, you do get to decide. Am I going to keep the rules? Am I going to keep the speed limit? Am I going to pay my taxes? Um, I'm my ultimate authority. I'm the one responsible for my decisions. The funny thing is this. You know, if I speed down the highway and I go to bed at night, I don't lay there saying, oh, please, God, forgive me for speeding today. I have no guilt about it at all because I'm my ultimate authority. According to me, it was perfectly safe speeding. And so don't even have any guilt for it, do I? So we get to this place where we say, well, if I disagree, it's okay to disobey, especially if I don't get caught. So, for example, your doctor says, hey, you need to change your diet. You need to stop eating this or do something different here. You need to start exercising. And what do we do? We're our own authority. Nah, I don't feel like exercising. I don't feel like changing my diet, right? The person you paid for their advice, their wisdom, <laughs> tells you to do this, but on my own authority, I'm going to do what I want to do. Same thing with government rules. There's kind of, you know, I have... Uh, one of my children that often doesn't use their seatbelt. Crazy to me. I think it's pretty simple and it's proven to be safe. But that 
I don't agree with the rules, so I'm not going to wear my seatbelt. Now, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture from the Bible that is going to talk about how we are to respond to authority. And I'm going to warn you up front, probably every one of us is going to push back. We're going to say, nah, I don't think I agree with that. <laughs> and I've been wrestling with this for three or four weeks because I'm planning this message. This is a passage of Scripture I have never taught on before because it is a little uncomfortable or difficult. So I'm warning you. So can you please just kind of hold on and just say, okay, let's, let's read, read what's, what's written, read God's Word, and try and limit the pushbacks as much as possible. All right? With that warning. Now, the principle is this. Instead of thinking about the what when we're dealing with authority and rules, God's going to tell us we need to think about the who. And, of course, that's going to make more sense as we go along. So Paul wrote this. It's actually in a book we call Romans. So it's a letter Paul wrote. He was a missionary, traveled around the Mediterranean 30 years or so after Jesus. And uh, so he's writing this church to, writing this letter to the church in Rome. Now, one thing interesting I thought about was, um, tell you how old I am. In 1970, I'm in my first year of college. And some of you are old enough to remember that. Most of you aren't. There were riots on campus at the University of Maryland because of the Vietnam War. All right? Anyway, I'm working in a lab on, on a campus in between classes because my cousin works there full time. He got me a job. And so he was telling me that one of the students that he came across had said, well, Jesus was the greatest rebel of all time. And he said, uh, no, he wasn't. <laughs> and if you look at his life, he wasn't. Um, but he quoted to this guy, not that he was a religious person, but he was saying, no, the Bible says, no, 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 you're not supposed to do that. And he quoted from this passage we're going to look at. It's actually Romans chapter 13. We all love Romans chapter 12, and we know it's in Romans 14, but Romans 13 tends to get over, skipped over. Now, a little bit of history or background. Paul's writing this to Christians in Rome, probably about 65 A.D. Who was the ruling authority in Rome at that time? We're going to give you, a, 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 I guess this is a, a statue of this guy's head. <laughs> we'll bring that up on the screen. Who knows who that is? Anybody? Hmm? There was only five Roman emperors, I think, and he was the fourth one, I believe. Anyway, that's Nero. You ever heard of Nero? Uh, if you've heard of Nero, it wasn't because of the good stuff he did, probably, was it? Especially as it relates to Christians. He had, you know, the stories about putting the Christians in the Colosseum and the lions tearing them apart? Uh, that was during Nero's time. He set Christians on fire to light up his parties after night. Now, bodies don't burn very well. I was reading they put wax on the body so it would burn. Wouldn't smell very good either, would it? Uh, supposedly, he set fire to Rome and blamed the Christians for it. So, keeping in mind, now, he didn't believe he was just emperor. He believed he was God. Okay? So, this man is the ruling authority, and Paul is writing this letter to Christians that living, well, the whole Roman, Roman Empire, but they lived in the capital, in Rome itself. So, keeping that in mind, let's read beginning of Romans chapter 13, verse 1. I looked at a lot of different translations. There's not a lot of variation in this passage. 
everyone, okay, nobody's excluded, right? Everyone must, not optional, everyone must do what? Submit to governing authority. Oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. You mean to Nero? Everybody must? Paul, you sure? Well, again, it's not about the what, it's about the who. Paul, you got to explain this to us. Well, all authority comes from God. Ah, okay. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. All right. So if God's all-powerful, nothing can happen outside of His authority. So He's allow, at least allowing Nero to be our governing authority at this time, evil as he is. So Paul is telling us, God's telling us that he works through human authorities. And we're going to look at some examples. God works through human authorities. Even Nero, that's just hard to comprehend God. <clears throat> so if that's true, believe it's true, if that's true, if I disobey human authorities, who am I really disobeying? God. He's saying, so this isn't a, just a earthly issue. This is a spiritual issue, how you and I deal or respond or react to government authority or any authority, work authority, school authority, whatever it might be. Now, if Paul had just written that one verse and then went on to another topic, eh, we could kind of skip over it. But we're going to go through eight verses. The Bible wasn't written in verses, but anyway, pretty long paragraph. He's going to continue discussing this topic for us. So let's go on. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against who? God. Or what God has instituted, and they'll be punished. Now, I don't believe he means, you know, we're going to get zapped by lightning. I mean physically punished by these government authorities. This goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Remember Adam and Eve? The thing that just amazes me, we have all kinds of rules, right? How many rules was there in the Garden? One. You think, hey, that would be pretty easy. I think I could obey one rule. Well, as it turned out, it, Adam and Eve, eat all the fruits you want, except for this one tree, you've got to leave that one alone. Satan comes along, does God really say that you couldn't eat from that tree? Well, it looks good to eat, doesn't it? Yeah, it looks good to eat. Well, it's not about a who, it's about a what. Fruit, looks good to eat, okay. Besides, I'm going to learn some stuff. I'm going to know, I'm going to become like God and know stuff I don't know now. And so, of course, they were deceived, lied to, and of course, we've all reaped the consequences of that decision. So the principle is this. Your response, my response to human authorities is a reflection of your response to God. Now, we don't like that. We want to divide it. You know, I, God, I can be 100% in, Jesus follower, commit to you 100% and disobey the law. That's what we want to do. But Paul said, no, 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 no you can't do that. That's hypocritical. That's not authentic. Text goes on. He's not finished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right. I'm not afraid of policemen if I'm not breaking the law, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of authorities? Yeah, well, the 
obey the rules. You don't have any fear, right? Do what is right, and they will honor you, or you won't be punished. Going on. The authorities are God's, listen to this. The authorities are God's servants sent for your good. Nero, God, I don't understand this. This doesn't seem to make sense to me. How could he be your servant, evil as he is, and how can it be for our good? But if you're doing wrong, of course, you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you, eventually run it, wind up in prison. They are, again, God's servants sent from the very, for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. And we appreciate that, right? When people break the law and we have prisons to put them in, what would society be like if there was no policemen and no, no prisons and no judges? Would you want to live in that culture, that society? Nobody would. It'd be horrible. So we like it again when it fits with our, our mindset. And I know the pushback is, what about this? And how can we have a bigger pushback than these folks? Uh, Nero? <laughs> uh, but, you know, depending on what side of the aisle you're on, what about this or what about that politically, etc. He's not finished. He goes on. Here we go again. You must, not optional, you must submit to them, not only to avoid punishment, okay, that's on the surface level, physical level, but also to keep a clear conscience. So you don't have to look over your shoulder. You know, if I'm, even if I'm not speeding and I go past a policeman, the first thing I do is look back and see if he's turned his lights on and started following me, right? I'm, I'm looking over my shoulder. I might have done something wrong. And sometimes, you know, I've gotten the speeding tickets once or twice in my life. So that happens. So, to have a clear conscience, submit to the rules. Pay your taxes. In fact, that's the topic he's going to next, which is everybody's worst topic, right? Especially this time of year. But all the time, of year, I mean, we're always complaining about taxes, right? He says, all right, pay your taxes for the same reason. Pay your taxes. And then he says, government workers need to be paid. Some of you might be government workers. You appreciate the taxes are, are paid. They are serving God in what they do. That's a blanket statement. <laughs> well, they're serving God in that they're helping keep a civil society, and that's what government, part of government's job. But again, we just love to complain, especially about paying taxes, right? <clears throat> now, this could be said of Rome. How much more could it be said about us? In fact, if I was to ask you, would you, is there another country you would prefer to live in, in? And under their rules, most of us say, no, 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 I complain about this one, but it's better than the alternatives out there. He's not finished. He goes on. He says, give to everyone what you owe them, taxes to the government, and fees to those who collect them, and respect and honor to those in authority. Ooh. Ever complain about governor or the president or congressman? Or... Respect the authority of the person, even if you may not agree with them. So if I'm cheating on my taxes, what's Paul Salem trying to tell me here? Who am I really cheating? 
God. God. This is God's government for us in this time and this place. So again, it's not about the what. It's not about, eh, I don't think that tax is, is just or fair. It's not about the what. It's all about the who. And if you're a Jesus follower, the who is always who. Jesus or God. A little bit of pushback here. So, should we never question authority? And my answer is, I believe God's answer would be, always, always question authority. Is this, because there's a, lot, a big difference between what is legal and what is moral, right? Most of us would agree. But never rebel. So you can do, uh, write your congressman, it's something you don't agree with. Um, fill out a petition. I know some of us have hold up uh, anti-abortion signs before. Um, didn't break the law. Always question authority. But never rebel. So, what do I do? Well, when authority is abused, appeal to the next higher authority. According to what we understand here, God's at the ultimate, right? So there's always an alternate until we get to God. But remain under authority. I remember as a teenager in church, we'd come up with questions like, you know, obey your parents. What if my dad tells me to go rob a bank? You know, we come up with these goofy things as teenagers. And, uh, okay, well, who's a higher authority than your dad? Well, the government is, and it says it's against the law to rob banks, right? So you shouldn't. Listen to your father in that scenario. And there's all kinds of examples in Scripture. What about Daniel? Daniel's in, in Babylon, and they have this rule that you're going to bow down to the statue of the, uh, the king, and um, he doesn't protest or do anything else, but he can't do it. And he continues to pray to his God three times a day. He gets arrested, winds up in the lion's den. Most of you know that story, right? So he appealed to a higher authority. Peter, after Pentecost, he goes around preaching, and the Jewish authorities didn't like it very much, so they arrested him, right? He winds up in jail, and they said, okay, we're going to let you go as long as you stop preaching about that Jesus guy. And what did Peter do? He said, I'm sorry. He even told him, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're not my ultimate authority, and I'm not going to start preaching about Jesus. So always question authority. If it's immoral, if it's against what God's will for your life is, obey God, but don't rebel against the authority. And sometimes that's going to be a tricky line. I understand that. Then a couple other verses that kind of sum up kind of a bigger area. He says, owe nothing to anyone. Owe nothing, obviously pay your taxes, but owe nothing to anyone. You know, Dave Ramsey, you know, teaches, you know, stay out of debt. Even a house, I have, a, I have one mortgage on my two houses. That's the only debt my wife and I have. But one time we were debt-free even on our mortgage. So my question is, can a Christian ever be debt-free? Not according to this passage. So owe nothing to anybody except, there's an exception. What's the exception? Your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you'll fulfill the requirements of God's law. Can that ever be completely paid? No. 
as believers. And then he quotes Jesus. Paul is quoting Jesus in the next verse. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I think about this as pay more than is due. Um, you ever do that pay it forward? You know, you're in a line at a fast food restaurant and say, hey, I want to pay for the person behind you. I'm paying more than I do. I don't, I'm not responsible for that. Which Jesus was asked the question, well, who's my neighbor? I'm supposed to love my neighbor. Who's my neighbor? Who recalls Jesus, the story Jesus told in response to that? Who knows? Good Samaritan. All right. It's my sister. All right. Good Samaritan story, right? Um, so these guys that should have helped, but he was, they were Jewish, and this guy was a Samir, um, not, wasn't a Jew. No, he was a Jew, but they couldn't be contaminated. So this Samaritan comes along that the Jews hate, and he bandages up, takes him to this hotel, restaurant, whatever, and says, okay, I'll pay to take care of him, and if it costs any more, and I come back, I'll pay you even more. Did he need to pay for anything for this man? No. But he considered him his neighbor, and so he paid more than what was due. So, principle is this. It's not about the what. Well, we like to think, oh, that's a, that's a rule I don't want to follow. It's not about the what. It's all about the who. And if you're a Jesus follower, the ultimate who is God, but human authority is under God's authority, so I need to obey that also. Reminded me of a you know, kind of old um, contemporary Christian song, a line from it. It goes like this. I'm not skilled to understand what God has willed and what God has planned. So I believe when you and I get into a rebellious mode or spirit, we miss God's will for our life. I'll give you a couple of examples from Scripture. If you were a Jew in under the pharaohs in Egypt before Moses came along. What would your question be? God, we're supposed to be your chosen people. Why are you letting us suffer this way? And I believe God's response would be something like this on the screen. I'm doing something. Of course, my pushback is, what are you doing? I'm suffering here. And I believe God would say, I'm, I'm crafting, I'm forming my, my nation nation of Israel. The ultimate example, of course, would be if you were a disciple and Jesus was arrested and he put on trial and then he was tortured and executed, you would be saying, God, what are you doing? And again, I believe God would say, I'm doing something. We would say, well, what are you doing? You... Our Lord Jesus just got executed. And God would respond, I'm about saving mankind, I'm saving I'm not skilled to understand that God is will, that God is planned. So, summing up, God works through human authorities, good authorities, bad authorities, evil authorities, just authorities, communist authorities, whatever. But He's established. I don't know where this impacts your life, but we all have authorities in our lives, don't we? I would say this. As Jesus followers, we should be the best American citizens there are. We should follow the rules. We should go vote. We should write our congressmen with something we disagree with, whatever it might be. But we should be the best citizens because we understand 
Citizenship is under God's authority. It's not about the what. It's all about the who. So, your response, my response to authorities can be seen again. Invisible world. You can see is a reflection of your and my response to God. We cannot see. When you see human authority, we cannot see God. So, here's what I want to leave you with. What do you, what do I do in response to this truth? Leave that with you. Let me pray with you and let you go. Father God, thank you. We thank you for the privilege we had to worship this morning. We thank you for studying your word. This difficult passage for us to kind of just uh, embrace so much pushback, so much what-ifs. God, help us to take a breath, trust your spirit, trust your word. Again, working this out is going to be difficult, but help us. Give us the wisdom and the courage to do that. We pray for anyone who's not a Jesus follower, and uh, this would be a difficult concept for you, I'm sure. But first and foremost, we all need a, a personal relationship with God through Jesus. And that's a gift that's offered to all of us. And if you've never received that gift, we pray that you would receive it. And if you do make that decision, please let us know so we might come alongside and help you. Father God, again, we thank you for, for the privilege to be here this morning. Uh, we look forward to being your hands and feet this week, not just Wednesday night. But we are a lights in a dark world all the time. You go with us when we leave this place as, as your children. Uh, and we thank you in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.